a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. Very pleased to be hanging out with you this Tuesday afternoon. Uh, big stuff going on across the country today and tomorrow in particular. Uh, hopefully, our fingers are crossed that tonight uh, we'll get sufficient results back from the uh, runoff election taking place in Georgia right now uh, that we'll be able to know the future of the Senate or specifically the future of who controls the Senate in the United States. Uh, Republicans needing to win one or both of these runoff elections to retain control. If not, if if the two Democrats running are able to you know, emerge victorious from this runoff election, well, that's a 50-50 split in the Senate. And let me schoolhouse rock you for a second. Ties, you may know this, are broken by the president of the Senate. Who that? Well, Vice President Kamala Harris will uh, will serve as the tie-breaking vote. And as I predicted the other day, that depending on what happens uh, tonight in Georgia, that will determine the nature of the vice presidency of Kamala Harris. If she is required to be a, a tiebreaker every time a vote is cast, if, you know, those do turn out to be the way the votes are cast, 50-50. And there's no guarantee of that. You have folks like uh, Joe Manchin, Utah's own Senator Mitt Romney. You don't exactly know where where they will fall on any given day. Anyway, uh, there is a lot at stake. And that is just one element of what has me so focused on the future of the Republican Party. The other is that members of both the House and Senate have... Republicans on each side have telegraphed their intention to object to the certification of the Electoral College vote tomorrow on the constitutionally designated day of January 6th when when that vote is uh, scheduled to take place. There will be objections that find their companion in the other chamber that, as you know, we've discussed it a number of times, will lead to a two-hour debate per objection, votes cast then, and it is in those moments... It is in those moments that the divided Republican Party will have to make uh, its decision. Each member of the party will have to decide, am I going to uh, support the claims made by the Trump campaign and specifically Donald Trump himself, the president of the United States, on the phone over the weekend to the secretary of state of Georgia? Am I going to support those claims or Am I going to uh, put my trust in the justice system, with the electoral system, and specifically the electoral college, and certify uh, this election? That's the decision that they have to make. And not everyone is on the same page right now. So what does that mean for tomorrow? What does that mean for January 21st? 
I put the question to you. 57500 is the Utah Community Credit Union text line. I'm going to debate this with some folks throughout the next little while and then open the phones to you. Also, if you're a fan of Facebook, Lee Lonsberry is my name. You find me on Facebook and the little live mic logo is up in the corner. I have put a a question there. How do you envision the Republican Party after January 20th? Uh, Dozens of responses thus far. I'll share those with you later on. But right now, let me welcome to the program someone who is quickly becoming one of my favorite writers at the Deseret News. We've spoken to him here on these airwaves a number of times. Samuel Benson has uh, a new piece out uh, titled The GOP's Identity Crisis is About to Get Messier. First, uh, Sam, welcome to the program. Thanks for joining me. Of course, Lee. Happy New Year to you. Yeah, same to you. Uh, t- tell me about your headline. The GOP's identity crisis is about to get uh, messier. Uh, define for me what you mean by identity crisis and why is it about to get messier? Yeah, well, I think first and foremost, it's an interesting predicament that the GOP finds itself in. Um, I mentioned in my piece that I think this is the most consequential week in terms of the future of the party that they've had since the week of the election, the beginning of November. And the reason I say that is because you have President Trump, um, who's been fighting against the election results after the leaked uh, phone call he had with Georgia election um, officials last last weekend as well. You have a president here who's denying the results. Um, you mentioned that he's fighting against the Electoral College, electoral system. Um, I think he's fighting against the voice of the American people as well. He lost the election. William Barr has said that. Committees have said it's the most secure election in the history of the United States. Um, he's fighting that. And so you have this president, and then you have other congressmen, like you mentioned, who are supporting him. But other people have shown their true colors as well. I mean, here in Utah, John Curtis released a statement earlier. Mitt Romney spoke out against it. A leaked letter from Mike Lee to his colleagues also have, have shown support for the people, um, not supporting the president here. And so it's this weird, um, this weird contention within the party that's existed for the last four years and has bubbled to a, to a boil here at the election. I mean, I think what happens this week, the support that President Trump receives his decision to concede or to continue to fight the results of this election could be very telling for the for the future of the party going forward over the next four years and beyond. Do you imagine this division, which will define itself tomorrow in uh, the votes cast by Republicans, Democrats as well, but we're focusing on uh, the Republicans right now as they find themselves really on uh, two sides of, uh, of an issue – Will that division, will the distinction made by which way you vote as a Republican in Congress tomorrow, will that have a lifespan that carries, uh, you know, deep into 2021, 22, uh, and when those members of Congress return uh, and ask voters for their vote, do you you think that it'll be an issue, or will this be one of those uh, blips in history that goes away? Well, Lee, I think it depends. And the reason I say that is because so much depends on what face the, the GOP takes going forward. Um, if, if President Trump refuses to concede the results of the election and if people on his side give him support, um, and that's the face that the GOP carries for the next four years, I don't think it'll be an issue. It'll also be it'll almost be like a like a token of support of loyalty. Right. Um, these congressmen that show their support to President Trump on the flip side. Going back to 2012, Mitt Romney's loss in 2013, there was that autopsy. The GOP came together and said, listen, we lost. We have to reform. We have to figure out who we want to be going forward. And they made a very concrete plan and tried to reinvent themselves until things kind of got crazy in the 2015 primaries. If that's the route that they take, of course, this would be a huge issue because all of a sudden you have people who didn't accept the results of an election. What happens going forward in four years if Republicans don't like the results again? 
Is Congress the one certifying the results? If it's a Democrat that, that loses, do they fight this? Is it Congress that certifies the results of the election? So I think what's at, hand, what's, what's at stake here is obviously the, the future of the GOP, but it's also the future of our elections. Um, and going forward, who do we trust? Do we trust the electoral system? Do we trust the voters? Do we trust the process here? Or are we, are we fighting it when we don't agree with the results? Yeah. Should the trust disappear, I don't see how the system itself stands. Uh, Let me just shift gears here. We have about 30 seconds left. Uh, I wanted to make sure I got to this. In your article, you quote uh, Barry Goldwater uh, from the early 1960s. He wrote the following sentence. We cannot allow the emblem of irresponsibility to attach to the conservative banner. Again, we cannot allow the emblem of irresponsibility to attach to the conservative banner. Why is that applicable today? Yeah, well, I first read that in Jeff Flake's book, The Conscience of a Conservative, um, which he wrote almost in a response to what's going on right now. Um, and Jeff Flake also writes in that book, it's no longer enough to be conservative. You have to be vicious. And I think that's the irresponsibility that we're seeing. It's a viciousness. It's an unwillingness to accept the reality of an election. Um, it's an inability to see truth from error, to divulge in conspiracy. And that's an issue. Um, it's, it goes beyond party lines. Um, neither party is perfect. No po- politician or human is perfect. Um, but the, the issue at stake is is reality versus falsehood. Um, and that's the choice that the GOP has going forward and all of us have going forward as voters and supporters of whatever party we're part of. Samuel Benson, Deseret News opinion writer, thank you so much. Uh, I invite folks to check out your article, The GOP's Identity Crisis is About to Get Messier. Sam, thanks again for your time and for your words. Absolutely. Thank you, Lee. All righty. We're going to take a quick break right now. When we return, we're going to continue this conversation. Uh, I'll welcome to the program Boyd Matheson, Deseret News opinion editor, good friend of mine. We have some uh, some lively chats here behind the scenes. I'm going to bring that to the airwaves here after the break. And also, again, extend to you the invitation to weigh in. Get your phones ready. I'm going to open the phone lines in about 15 minutes or so. I want to hear from you How do you view the future of the Republican Party right now? We are at something of a crossroads. Where do you stand? We'll speak later. Boyd Matheson is up next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com. Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen. Back to live, Mike. One thirty-seven is the time here at KSL News Radio. There is strength in numbers. That's the the saying, right? There is strength in numbers. That's true in warfare. That is true in business, and it is especially true in the United States Congress. It is at the end of the day uh, a, a body of government controlled by who has the largest numbers. 
On the House side right now, while the narrow while the margin has narrowed a bit since the last election, Democrats control the House. On the Senate side right now, at least, it is uh, the Republicans that control the Senate. Now that question is up in the air right now, as far as uh, who will re- who will gain that control. Will the Republicans uh, maintain it, or will should both? Democrats in Senate in the Georgia Senate runoff race, if should they be victorious, uh, then that balance of power will shift. If you then factor in President of the Senate Kamala Harris, Vice President of the United States, uh, where that leaves us, if you combine also the the other issue we've been discussing throughout the morning and the week thus far, which is that <laughs> tomorrow. Democrats in the House and Senate have a decision to make. Are they going to vote to certify this election or will they uh, step on the side objecting? So with those two questions, I am naturally led to an even larger third question, which is what is the future of the Republican Party? And getting back to the issue of strength and numbers, I don't see how the next few days shape up in any way other than to diminish uh, the unified numbers within the Republican Party. I see the numbers dwindling, or at least uh, being fractured. And what does that mean for the party? Uh, we had a chat with Samuel Benson. I mentioned he, one of my uh, ever more so recently favorite writers. Uh, at the Deseret News. You can check out uh, his article. Uh, another man who I r- respect greatly, host of Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio and opinion editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, joins me now to, to talk about the future of the party and uh, how and what's going to happen in Georgia may factor into all of this. So, uh, Boyd, sir, welcome to the program. How are you? Doing well. Great to be back with you. Happy New Year. Thanks a lot. Uh, the, the Republican Party, there are, at least in my estimation, looking like there are about to be two factions. Does it survive uh, the vote tomorrow? Uh, I, I think tomorrow will be uh, a, a lot of uh, theater, uh, a lot of folks trying to get their uh, their 15 minutes, especially on the House side. Uh, everyone's going to be you know, racing for a microphone and a camera, uh, so that'll be a dangerous place to be tomorrow. But in the end, uh, the Electoral College vote will be certified, and uh, Joe Biden will be the president-elect. And uh, things will begin to move forward as it relates to the party itself. Yeah, there are definitely uh, fractures in the party uh, that are going to continue uh, long after this election is done. And I, and I actually think there, there is a uh, third way. Uh, so this is not a split down the middle. It is not just those who are with President Trump and those who are with hmm. the more establishment, kind of the Mitch McConnell wing of the party. Uh, and this is interesting. Scott Rasmussen has actually done some polling of uh, this nationally. And, it, and interestingly, it applies to the Democrats as well, by the way. Uh, a lot of people are saying, hey, once we get this thing decided and Joe Biden is the president, then we can kind of go back to this more establishment version of, of politics, uh, much more controlled. Uh, but the reality is, is the vast majority of Americans do not want to go back to that. So for the Republicans, that means that the vast majority majority of Republicans uh, who are not going to go with the President Trump wing of the party for as long as that lasts. And you and I have discussed how how long that will last uh, is going to be interesting to watch. But those folks are not interested in going to the Mitch McConnell uh, establishment wing of the party either. So there is a third rail or third option there with the Republicans, and that's going to be an interesting thing to deal with. Because as that fracture happens, obviously it becomes more difficult to win elections, uh, not easier. And so there is going to have to be some sort of 
uniting around principles uh, if the Republican Party, as it exists today, is going to continue to have influence in the years to come. Fascinating. And and also too much of what, you know, tomorrow will hold, uh, the figurative tomorrow, specifically after the 20th of January, that tomorrow, will have much to do with uh, a, an announcement that may or may not come from Donald Trump. There, uh, you know, he hasn't necessarily uh, said specifically what his plans are in the future, but uh, it is possible that he announces uh, the intention to run again for president in 24. Uh, should that happen, uh, I think there are a number of <laughs> legislators on the Republican side that reevaluate their position on things and, uh, you know, either uh, lean in or try to find a way to back out of the decisions that they make uh, tomorrow when they they vote. Uh, Any reason there, you think? Yeah, I think that uh, is going to be the interesting thing. If if President Trump does immediately declare that he is running uh, for the presidency in 2020, uh, that will have kind of a a freezing, a chilling effect uh, on what is already starting to bubble up in terms of who might buy for the presidency for the Republicans in 2024. Uh, a lot of those younger folks who are actually out there. That, so an interesting one to watch tomorrow is Josh Hawley, uh, up and comer, incredibly ambitious, clearly has 2024 uh, power play on his mind. Uh, and he, of course, is the one leading the charge in terms of dem- uh, Republicans in the Senate voting against the certification of the Electoral College. Uh, on the other side of that, you have Tom Cotton, who has been a staunch. There are few members of the Senate who have spent more time with President Trump than Senator Tom Cotton from Arkansas, who also has presidential ambitions, to be sure. Uh, and so those two have already split uh, path there. So what happens following all of this? Uh, with those two will be a pretty good indication of the battles that are lie ahead, the battles that lie ahead for the Republican Party. Yeah, hundred percent. Those two may be the wind socks to keep an eye on. Uh, listen, Boyd Matheson, thank you so much as always for uh, sharing your wisdom here with us here on Live Mike. Uh, Boyd Matheson, host of Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio, as well as the opinion editor of the Deseret News. Thanks again, Boyd. Thanks. All right. Uh, Listen, the phone lines are now open. I want to hear from you this question of uh, what to you uh, does the the future of the Republican Party look like? How do you envision the Republican Party after January 20th? There's a big decision to make. Uh, Which side on that decision do you fall? And what does that mean? What does that mean for the party at large? I want to hear from you. 575-8255-801. 575-8255 or KSL Talk, 801 KSL Talk. Pick up the phone right now. Give me a call. If you're bashful, you, of course, have the option of sending a text message to 57500, the Utah Community Credit Union text line. We're going to take a break right now, and when we return, it's you live on the air. That's next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the 1 o'clock hour here on KSL News Radio. We, in just a moment, are going to open the phone lines to hear what folks think about this question. What is the future of the Republican Party? And how will it look come January 20th and beyond? We'll get to the phones in just a moment. Looking forward to chatting with Kathleen and Margot and others on the line. Uh, but first, let me give you a heads up. Something that's coming uh, in about 45 minutes from Right now, uh, just after 2.30, I'm going to play for you uh, excerpts of a conversation I had uh, very early this morning with Gary Herbert on the first day uh, of his life as, again, a civilian. Citizen Herbert will join us uh, to talk a little bit about how he woke up feeling this morning 
and what his intentions are now that he is no longer an elected official. I'd point out that he, if you combine his time as governor, 11 and a half years, with his time served as a Utah County Commissioner, uh, that man, for the past 30-plus years, over three decades, has been an elected official. Uh, and not many individuals can boast of 30 years of continued support from their communities. So regardless of where you stand on politics, that achievement on its own is admirable. Anyway, uh, I'm going to play for you a good chunk of the conversation I had with the former governor, and uh, I think you might enjoy it. There's some interesting insight there, and it's been my first opportunity uh, to speak with him outside of his office uh, as governor. Anyway, uh, be sure to tune in just after 2.30 here to KSL News Radio. Right now, though, this question, which has been bugging me for a while, what is possibly going to be the future of the Republican Party? Tomorrow, tomorrow, every member of Congress has a decision to make, whether or not to certify the election, whether or not to certify the votes cast by the electors within the Electoral College. There was a time where I thought that this was just going to be a formality. In years past, it always is a formality. I was in Washington, D.C., uh, working you know, just a few steps away from the floor of the House of Representatives, the place where these votes are to be cast. And during the last presidential election, when the constitutionally assigned date, constitutionally designated date of January 6th, once that rolled around, I didn't even know something special was happening. Because most years it's not special. It's a check of a box. Well, this year it is very much different. It is uh, quite likely the last opportunity that anyone has to attempt to disrupt the results of this election and ultimately uh, lead us to January 20th, the inauguration of Joe Biden, the president-elect. Utah's own delegation is split. The Republicans in Utah's own delegation are split. And I'm not sure uh, that a split like this heals so quickly. What do you think? Let's go to the phones. Kathleen calls from Orem. Kathleen, first, welcome to the program. Thanks for listening. Thanks for calling in. How do you see the Republican Party moving forward here? Well, that's what I'm concerned about. I have been a lifelong Republican. I've served in my local precinct as a poll worker for decades. And... Frankly, I am disturbed by what is happening with the national situation, and I am putting in a a plug for Mitt Romney for calling out some of these things, and I am very disappointed, frankly, that we do have national elected individuals who will back a president who is being so deceitful in his interaction with other people. He may be sponsoring things that are good for us, but his personal interaction, trying to threaten other people, um, that is not how I think we should deal with the political things in this country. And I'm hoping that other people can rise to the occasion and not be intimidated by President Trump. Mm. Kathleen, listen, thank you uh, for your call. And again, thank you for 
listening. Uh, moving on to Margot calling from Sandy. Margot, how do you view all of this as this very important decision? Uh, we are just one day away from the time where Republicans and Democrats, uh, anyone serving in the United States Congress, will have a decision to make, and that is whether or not to certify the results. Republicans having an indicated, uh, you know, a division in their plans for tomorrow. How do you see with such a division, with such a split in the party, how do you see it moving forward? Yeah, it is very concerning to me because <clears throat> I've been a lifetime Republican as well as a little independent, depending on, depending on the candidate. But I feel that we are at a crossroads, and contrary to the person that just was on the air from Orem, bless her heart, I, I disagree. I think um, Mitt Romney is not reflecting the values of our state. He is still, to me, a wolf in sheep's clothing, still trying to win um, influence of the Democratic Party. I, I'm grateful um, that Trump is standing strong to, uh, to expose the deep state and the corruption that is evident um, in the DOJ and the other departments in the state, um, I mean, in the national government, I'm grateful that he's willing to do that. Yes, he's brazen. He has his own style. He never po- promised to be a politician. And frankly, I'm tired of politicians. I'm, I want the Republican Party to be stronger. I want them to say, we defend rep- um, religious rights, uh, Second Amendment rights, freedom of speech, because right now, up to this point, they've been kind of silent and not been as aggressive, and that's why I guess Trump has tried to be more aggressive, in, in protecting our conservative uh, rights and the fact that this country was founded on the principle of having all kinds of um, liberties as opposed to other countries that have socialism, communism. We are really at a crossroads, and it, it kind of concerns me that Democrats and Republicans both, if there is evidence of election fraud, um, which there are from various um, data security, um, national security um, posters and, and people that have been checking, um, th- that they're not everybody concerned about it and wanting to address okay. it. That is my big concern. Yeah. And I think the Republican Party needs to stand strong and stand up for conservative values because evidently and obviously they've been eroded over the last decade. So well, um, I think we need to take, take a stronger stand. Well, listen, Margo, thank you for the call. Again, Margo from Sandy uh, weighing in there. I'd point out, uh, you know, everyone you know, has their position they can take, and that's all well and good. I, uh, I'm just compelled to point out that uh, the evidence that Margo there made reference to, quote-unquote evidence, that that's not necessarily true. There has been, you know, demonstrated no evidence of widespread fraud. And believe you me, I have had my eyes open for it. I have been one who has gone down all these rabbit holes, uh, trying to you know investigate the claims as best as I am able to. I have been paying close attention to every single one of those court cases that were brought uh, before various courts across this country, including the Supreme Court, by the Trump campaign. And with the very, very minor exception of that case in Pennsylvania dealing with how far a poll watcher could stand to the votes as they were counted, every single time the claims have been knocked down. Every single time. And there's been ample opportunity to present anything to the courts. And so when I hear about uh, Ted Cruz putting forth uh, a proposal that there be 10 additional days added to this period of investigation and a special task force or investigative group or however he phrased it be formed to look into these allegations, I'm just compelled to say, haven't you had enough time? January 6th 
tomorrow didn't sneak up on us. The constitutionally designated date, it's not new. You know, it's it's been around, a part of that document, for some time. Every four years, we are reminded of this date. So what's 10 days going to do that you weren't able to do already? And it hurts because I'm a conservative guy. You can hear it in my voice each day. Yesterday, we spent how much time talking about constitutional carry of firearms? Well, and yet there's some division. And uh, if you think back to that article written by uh, Sam Benson, the quote there towards the end by Barry Goldwater, uh, talking about we cannot allow the emblem of irresponsibility to attach to the conservative banner. We can't allow uh, a disregard for reality be attached to the conservative banner. And I am fearful that that might be happening. Quick break. When we return, we'll be speaking with Representative John Curtis next on Live Mike. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent. It was senseless. And I will never understand it. I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.